The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. I hope it's agreeable to you, church, for me to preach a simple message today, a simple message of victory. And even if it's not okay, that's what I'm going to be doing. So uh, if you have your Bible, take it to the book of Judges, the book of Judges in the beginning portions of your Old Testament. You'll go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then you'll come to the book of Judges. And when you're there, you can turn to chapter number three, Judges chapter Number three, I'm told of a true story that there were a group of Iraq veterans, our soldiers that have fought in the Iraq war and some very high up military officials brought this group of veterans into a room uh, to discuss with them the equipment that was currently being issued to our military rifles and boots and pants and gloves and 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 all the things that they carry with them into battle and these high military officials were in charge of determining whether or not the type of equipment and the supplies that were being supplied to our military was the proper equipment was the proper things being supplied to them and what they asked this group of iraq veterans they said we want to understand from you in the iraq war what was it that gave you the edge what was it that was was the the tool or the weapon or the piece of supplies, what was the thing that really gave you the edge on the battlefield? And after this group of Iraq veterans discussed among themselves for just a very brief moment, they turned to the high-ranking military officials and they said, this is a very easy answer. And it was certainly not the answer that the military officials were expecting. The veterans looked at the military officials and they said, the thing that gave us the best edge against the enemy was clean water. It was clean water. The military officials expected to hear something like the type of rifle they had or the type of boots that they were wearing or the thing that protected them, the helmet that they were wearing, the bulletproof material that was covering the vehicles. They expected something like that. But these Iraq veterans went on to explain, they said that, that in, in Iraq there was not always a good supply among the locals, among the enemy of, of, of clean water. And, and sometimes the, the enemy would, would see us and they would, they would sometimes wait to, to engage in battle for a period of time to wait until we were dehydrated. And, and these, these war heroes went on to explain about how when, when a soldier's body is dehydrated that their vision blurs and that their bodies don't work properly. And the enemy knew they, they were in the same boat as well that when they were dehydrated and they don't have clean water and, and they thought that if they would just wait for a day or two, then, then they, then both sides would be equally dehydrated. But, but the, the thing that became the unlikely weapon for the American soldiers was, was that when they ran out of water, that it was just a moment, just a matter of moments until a helicopter would come and drop more supplies. And in that pile of supplies was, was an abundance of clean water. And this became, became such an unlikely weapon that when the enemy would see that the, these helicopters would come and bring an abundance of clean water, it would become a great discouragement to the enemy. 
And the soldiers went on to explain that this was such a powerful principle that when they would take the, the plastic and rip it off of the cases of water, they would leave it in certain places where they knew the enemy would see it almost as a way to say, this is the weapon that we have. You are dehydrated. We are hydrated with this clean water and abundance of clean water. This clean water became our unlikely weapon. Church, I would like to preach for just a moment today to you about unlikely Weapons. Unlikely weapons. The Bible has many examples of people using unlikely weapons to, to achieve extraordinary, extraordinary outcomes for the glory of God. And one of those people is a man by the name of Shamgar. Of the entire Bible, north of 30,000 verses that we have in the Bible, there's only two that mention Shamgar. Only two. One of which is in Judges chapter 5, which is what we know as of being the song of Deborah, one of the leaders of Israel, one of the judges of Israel. And she, is, she has this song and she says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. This verse mentioning Shamgar simply gives us a picture of what it was like for Israel in those days with the Philistines as their enemies. She was saying that in the days that Shamgar was alive, in that time frame, uh, people could not even walk on the highways. The highways were deserted because she's describing what the Philistines were like. And we know from that verse and from a multitude of other verses that the Philistines were were a bloodthirsty enemy. They were a war-loving, God-hating people. They, they murdered their own people. They sacrificed babies to their false gods. They, they were a wicked, wicked people. The other verse in all of the entirety of Scripture that tells us about Shamgar is in Judges chapter 3, which is where our Bible should be now. And we look to verse 31. In verse 31 it says, After him was Shamgar, son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. That one verse, church, is what we have of the man named Shamgar and the unlikely weapon that he used. We don't know much about Shamgar, but what we know about him is incredibly, incredibly interesting. We know from other areas in Scripture that he was the third judge in Israel. He was third judge in Israel. We know that he was likely biracial or interracial or back then it was it was not a politically incorrect term or phrase back then he would have been called a mixed breed back then and and the reason we speculate that that was very likely true for Shamgar is that his father's name Anath was a name very similar very close to the name of a Canaanite god so the speculation that has been made over the years by Bible scholars is that Shamgar's father was, was a Canaanite. He was, he was not of Hebrew descent. He was not of Jewish descent as God's people were. And his mother very likely was out of, out of Hebrew descent, out of Jewish descent. He was of the, her, his mother was of the Abrahamic descent. So he would have been biracial or interracial or a mixed breed as he would have been called back then. He was also very likely, even more likely than what our former thought is is that he was very likely a farmer and the reason we think that is because he used an ox goad he had an ox goad in his hand if you don't know what that is it's basically just a pointy 
stick that a farmer would use as he's behind the two oxen underneath the yoke pulling the plow. He would use this pointy stick, this not really very sharp, but a pointy stick to poke these oxen in the behind to keep them going straight down the row as they're plowing and tilling and all the things that farmers would be doing. And I'm imagining that what Shamgar was saying as he's thinking of all the things in view of what God had called him to do to lead Israel and to lead God's people and to to protect God's people against this bloodthirsty foe, this numerous bloodthirsty foe, I'm thinking that perhaps Shamgar was thinking things like, God, the Philistines are so numerous. They're a fierce people. God, I'm not of a full Hebrew descent, perhaps, is what Shamgar was saying. He's saying, God, I don't have the ability to communicate like a leader. I don't have, I don't have the ability and the influence to, to lead your people in this way. All I have is this ox goad in my hands. I'm a farmer. All I have is this farming tool in my hands. And, and perhaps he's, Shamgar standing there with this ox goad in his hands. And, and perhaps if, If he was a farmer, this type of farm tool would have been passed down for generations. And and, and maybe we don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. We only have one verse that tells us about Shamgar. But but very well, perhaps if he was a farmer in this farm implement, this could have been his great-grandfather's that was passed down from generation to generation and and is now the tool that he uses as he drives his ox team. It's, It's not a sharp implement. It would have been in no farmer's best interest to harm their animal. It was not very sharp. It would have been a, a, a dull, kind of pointed at the end, not very sharp farm implement that he would use to drive his team. And, and perhaps as he's looking at it, he even sees the patina on where his hands and his dad's hands and his grandfather's hands would have, would have held this things for, this thing for years and years and years as they, as they farmed and were farmers. He had an ox goat in his hand. But what did he do? church he took the ox goat and he hit in his hand he took the unlikely weapon the unlikely weapon this was not a, a weapon of battle this was a farm implement and a dull one at that and he delivered israel he slayed 600 men of the philistines and it doesn't just say that he slaughtered that many men but the bible says that he delivered israel so we don't know all the story we don't know all the details but what it does tell us is that he delivered god's people that whatever time frame in which he he killed 600 of these wicked wicked men that were slaughtering their own babies to to worship these false gods that whenever he did that there was some kind of battle took place where if he didn't do what he did then israel would have been brought into bondage and he, he delivered god's people now if you believe that that is a cool story from wherever you're listening to this you can say amen that is a very amazing story of what shamgar did for god's people and you say pastor ben that's a cool story but why is it that you're telling us this story and it's because i believe that everyone has an unlikely weapon that god can use for his glory if we make that unlikely weapon available to god And an unlikely weapon church is not always something that's physical. Sometimes an unlikely weapon is an experience or an occupation or something we've gone through. Peter's unlikely weapon was the fact that he was a fisherman. It put him in circumstances and places where he had he had influence with people that he never would have had before. It was him being a fisherman was his unlikely weapon. It perhaps was the very thing that caused him to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, if it's you, command that I come to you. 
it was his unlikely weapon. Zacchaeus's unlikely weapon was the fact that he was a tax accountant and a pretty accurate one at that. Not accurate in the way that he was fair. We know that before he met Jesus that he was very unfair. But once he came to Jesus, once Jesus saved him, Zacchaeus was able to go back and from all the people from which he had robbed, he was able to go back because of his accurate records and to pay them fourfold what he had stolen from them. It was Zacchaeus's unlikely weapon that he was a tax accountant. It was David's unlikely weapon that he was a shepherd. It was common for shepherds to have slings. That was a common weapon that they would protect their flocks with. Uh, slings, however, were not common weapons for a man to go into battle against another single foe. Like we know David did against Goliath. David's David's unlikely weapon was the fact that he had experience with with this slingshot with this sling that he carried to protect his flock and that he killed a lion and a bear prior to ever meeting Goliath that was his unlikely weapon an unlikely thing that his experience as a shepherd would help him bring down a giant for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the cause of God's people now the things that Shamgar could have said to himself we don't know if he did but the things that he might have and could have said to himself God I I don't have the influence. God, I don't have the proper weapon. God, I don't have the proper heritage. God, I don't have the proper background. I don't have the proper ability to be a leader of your people. Those things that Shamgar could have said to himself are those that very same types of things that we say to ourselves that plague Christians today, which is why I feel so compelled of the Holy Spirit to preach to you about unlikely weapons. Shamgar was saying those types of things, and we say things like, I'm not good enough to pursue that promotion. I'm not smart enough to complete that degree. I'm not spiritual or holy enough to serve in ministry. I'm not educated enough for that kind of job. I don't have the right skills for that kind of task. I'm not attractive or likable enough to get that date. I can't communicate like others can, and I can't be a leader. I don't, I don't have the creativity to start that business. I don't have those things. Can I just tell you, church, with great love in my voice, that fear and illegitimate self-doubt are never, they are never of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that one one time again so that you can get this down in your spirit. Fear and illegitimate self-doubt are never of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't say amen in your own home, I'm going to say it right now. Amen. That is true and that is good news that God does not call us to a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind and here's shamgar holding this ox goat and what i imagine his prayer potentially could have been like is him saying something like god i i'm not of the proper descent but god i know if you make me a leader i can lead your people god i don't have the right training i'm just a farmer but all i don't have a sword and a spear in my hands i don't have a shield on my back and a helmet on god i don't have the things that a soldier would have but i but i have this ox goat and god if if you equip me with this implement that has been passed down from my family if you would equip me with what's in my hands right now then i know that i can slay the enemy before you god and it will be because of you and for your glory so what are we holding in our hands church what skills and experiences are our unlikely weapons? As Shamgar had a vision of what it was that God had called him to do. And many of us have a vision of what it is that God has called us to do. A job to take, a business to start, a school to go to, a legacy to leave to our children and grandchildren. A marriage that we're in right now that needs to be growing and built up for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Many of us are homeschooling our children. Many of you are homeschooling your children in this very crazy season of life we find ourselves in. And, and, and could it be perhaps, church, that we have skills and abilities and experiences that are our unlikely weapon? That in our own hands, they can't do anything, but if God equips us with those things, then we can do much with those things for the glory of God. So you and I have a decision to make. We can decide to worry about whether or not we can do what it is that God has called us to do. Or we can take what is in our hands. We can take the unlikely weapon and say, God, he, here's what we have. It's not much, but whatever we have, here it is. And, and you do with it what you will. Do the kinds of things that only you can do with these unlikely weapons. Romans 8 verse 31 says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? I believe, church, that it is high times that high time that Christians start saying things like, you know, I don't feel like I have what it takes to pursue that promotion. But God, if that's the level you've called me to, then then nothing can stand in my way to get to that promotion. It's time that we start saying things as God's children and as his bride that if we don't say we don't feel like we have the intellect to finish school. But but God, if, if you would take my mind, if you would take my thoughts and my study habits, then, then I know that I can graduate and do it on the dean's list i know i can god uh, you say things like i know i don't feel like i'm spiritual or holy enough to serve in the church and to, to serve in ministry but god if you take my broken vessel if you take all that i am i know that you can put me back together like no other one can and, and i know that you'll use me greatly for your kingdom it's start it's high time that christians start saying things like that people say i can't communicate like others can to be a leader but god if you take what skills i do have if, if you're the leader, if you're the leader of my life, then, then you'll use me for whatever it is that you've called me to do, God. I don't have the creativity to start that business, but God, but if you take the experiences and, and what I've had, God, what, what I've gone through, the, the jobs that I have had, God, if you use those things, my, the experience that I lack, you'll use for greater purposes than, than anyone else could use in their own power. And this is not positive thinking, church. I'm talking about unlikely weapons. These things are rooted in God's Word, which is why I want to give you three takeaways right now about unlikely weapons. Number one, as God equipped Shamgar with what he already had. God equipped Shamgar with what he already had. He had an ox goad in his hand. A farm implement. He already had that. And God equipped him to do what it was that God had called him to do with what he already had. Many of you, as I said earlier, are homeschooling your children for the very first time. You didn't expect to become a homeschool family so quickly. No one expected those things. And many of you are feeling as though that you don't have the, you don't have the ability, you don't have the, the training that a teacher has and the, the gifting that a teacher has. But could it be church? Could it be that your unlikely weapon is what you're already holding in your hands? That your experiences that you already have, that the job experiences that you've already had, that you can pour into your children something that a teacher never could, that you have something, you have an unlikely weapon in your hands, you have unlikely things that you, you don't think like the education you had was enough to train your children, but could it be that, that if God equips you with what you already have, that you can do more than what anyone else could without God equipping them? I believe that, that is very, very true. Number two, the second takeaway that I'll give you. Your unlikely weapon may be a common thing. Your unlikely weapon may be a common thing. An ox goad 
was a common thing. Shamgar was not the only farmer that had an ox goad. Every farmer in those days had an ox goad or two or three or many ox goads were everywhere. It was a farm implement. It was the equivalent of a farmer having a tractor. They were everywhere. Everyone had an ox goad. But Shamgar was the one to say, Lord, take what it is that I have and use it for your glory. A common thing. Most everyone I know has a face. But only a few will use that face to smile lovingly, consistently at their spouse. Most everyone I know has a voice box. But only a few will use that voice box to say uplifting and sweet and loving and encouraging words to their spouse to build up their marriage. Your unlikely weapon could be something that everyone has. Number three. The third takeaway regarding unlikely weapons. Number three. Odds don't matter to God. Odds don't matter to God. We know from other areas in Scripture that the Philistines were skilled in the area of blacksmithing. If you don't know what blacksmithing is, you think of what a farrier might do for with horses' shoes and making horses' shoes and or a knife maker where they heat up a piece of metal very, very hot and then they beat it with a hammer over an anvil until they make the shape that they want. And the Philistines were very skilled blacksmiths. Uh, so much so that in 1 Samuel 13, the Bible tells us that the Philistines made sure that they drew away all of their blacksmiths so that they wouldn't make accidentally make any weapons for any people of the Israelites. They were skilled blacksmiths. And what that tells us is that of the 600 men of the Philistines that Shamgar killed on behalf of God as God expressing his judgment against a wicked, vile people that were murdering their own babies before false gods, is that each one of those men, very, very likely, each 600, each one of them, very likely had were equipped with wonderful weapons, well-balanced swords, perfectly honed, perfectly sharpened, shields that could stop even the most powerful and penetrative of arrows. They had wonderful, wonderful weapons. The odds of Shamgar, with a farm tool, able to kill 600 men that were perfectly armed. The odds don't make any sense, but odds don't matter to God. What's your ox goad, church? What's your unlikely weapon? Can I just tell you, and I'll just be transparent with you as I always pray that I am with my church family, even though I'm the pastor. You know, it is still sometimes scary to come up and preach. I still sometimes get kind of that nervous feeling in my belly when I come up here to preach. And can I just tell you that you know, I'm educated. I know that I am an educated man. I may not always sound like that, especially with some of the stories that I may tell and some of the grammar that I really botch sometimes. But I actually have a master's degree in theology. And that's not something I talk about a lot. That's not something I share with a whole lot of people. But I do I have a master's degree in theology. But can I just tell you, church, that before I had the master's degree in theology, when God called me out of the life I was in and called me into the ministry and called me to start preaching, I was, I was the farm kid that grew up and then I became a personal trainer. 
And, and, and God used that unlikely weapon. He used the experience and, and the life, the rich life experiences that gave me a creative mind for illustrations as a farm kid and my experience and my ability to talk to people and personal training. God used the unlikely weapon. And that's the thing that gives me confidence when I come into the pulpit. That's the thing that I know God is equipping me with. It's not that I have a master's degree in theology and had pretty good grades during that. But the thing that gives me encouragement, the thing that gives me strength to come up into the pulpit is to know that God is using the unlikely weapon. The unlikely weapon. God equipped Shamgar with what he already had. I was preaching before I had formal training. God was using the unlikely weapon in me. Your unlikely weapon may be a common thing. Lots of people grew up on farms and became personal trainers. Many of the classmates I had in my undergraduate degree as a personal trainer, many of them grew up on farms and were going to become personal trainers just like I was. But God used the common thing to do something mighty for His kingdom. I was preaching and people were getting saved before I ever stepped foot into the doors of the seminary. And odds don't matter to God. Odds don't matter to God. There was no chance, church, there was no logical chance that my former mind that was bent on lies and bent on sexual lust would come and serve God humbly. But odds don't matter to God. He uses unlikely weapons in us. And I just want to tell you briefly about the greatest example. The greatest example of an unlikely weapon, and that is the absolute person of Jesus Christ. Our enemy, the devil, sin, death, all of those things, our enemy was beat with an unlikely weapon. The unlikely weapon was that Jesus, the man named Jesus, that everyone else expected, would riding into Jerusalem with a white horse and a huge robe and weapons and an army, and Jesus comes riding in on a donkey... And then He's crucified on a cross and His flesh is torn from His body. That was our unlikely weapon. Jesus Himself, the person that He was, was an unlikely weapon against the enemy of our souls. There's a great story about the battle at Waterloo. And just in case you're interested, it happened on June the 18th, 1815. And the battle at Waterloo was a battle between England led by General Wellington and French armies led by Napoleon. And this battle at Waterloo was a pivotal battle for the people of England. If, if Wellington and his men lost this battle at Waterloo, it was, it meant certain defeat, certain enslavement for them. It was vital that Wellington and his men beat the French armies and Napoleon leading them. And when these battles took place, sometimes hundreds of miles away from, 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 from London and some of the very important places where most of the people were, they had an interesting way of signaling the result of what happened on the battlefield. And, and what would happen is there would be a man standing up on a cliff overlooking the battle, and when the result of the battle was, was known and made certain, he would use lanterns or fire or some kind of light to be able to communicate to someone maybe mile away on another mountaintop using lanterns, fire, and how they used their communication in that way. And then the other man would see that and do the same type of message and they would have a type of Morse code that they would communicate from hilltop to cliff to mountaintop to mountaintop until it got all the way back to London. 
And when it finally got back to London, the, the battle was done. The result was known. They communicated from hilltop to hilltop to hilltop all the way back to London and, and way up on a cliff where all the people in London could see. There was a large white billboard that he would take and dip into red paint with a paintbrush and paint the results of the war. And, and everybody was watching. And they watched the man dip the paintbrush in the red paint and he painted on this very large white billboard, he wrote the words, Wellington defeated. Wellington defeated. And then as he's finishing the last letter of that word, there was a, a thick fog. And if you've ever been to London, I'm told that, that you'll see sometimes a very thick fog will sometimes very quickly fall on the area. And as he's writing that last letter, they see him writing of, of Wellington defeated, the fog falls and, and everyone is distraught. There, some go to their homes. Some stand in the street and cry. Some run home to lock their doors and see their family. Some, that there was great mourning. They thought they had been defeated. This represented their certain enslavement. But a couple hours later, this fog starts to lift. And somebody walking through the street notices that on this billboard there was a word that they hadn't seen before. And the word was Napoleon. Instead of saying Wellington defeated, the sign said Wellington defeated Napoleon. Wellington defeated Napoleon. And mourning turned to laughing. Crying turned to rejoicing. Morning, this, this terrible sadness turned into dancing. Everyone was so amazed and so happy that this was the result. And can I just tell you, church, that when Jesus Christ carried that cross up that hill and was, was punished, he was, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was crucified on the cross for you. And his body, his torn flesh, his whole body is ripped to pieces, his beard ripped from his face, his, his dead flesh torn body is put into a tomb. And it's almost as if church hell put up a sign that said, Jesus defeated. But can I just tell you church that after three days, the fog lifted. And Jesus on that day, happy day, happy day, happy day, He walked out of the grave. And hell no longer could hold their sign that said, Jesus defeated. But heaven puts up a sign that says, Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated condemnation and shame and separation from God and the grave and all the things that are the enemies of our souls. Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus was the unlikely weapon in the tomb that rose again and lives forevermore. So is Jesus your unlikely weapon today? Have your sins been nailed to the cross? Have you brought your sins to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. The victory that you have won, I, I need that victory for myself. I can't win that victory. No one else can win that victory except for you. You are the one that took the punishment. You're the only one who can bring me to the Father. You're the only one who can turn my eternal home from hell into heaven. Jesus, forgive me of what I've done and how I've sinned against you, God. Forgive me. 
Because if you say that, church, if you say that, dear friend, the promise of God's Word is that He will abundantly pardon. That He will abundantly pardon. Our unlikely weapon as a church and as believers is that our flesh-torn, dead-body Jesus rose again. And if He is raised from the dead, then we can be too. And that is my victory. And I pray, my goodness, do I pray that that will be your victory too because you've brought your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You And we praise You, God, that You are our unlikely weapon. The devil didn't see coming what You had, Jesus. The power that You had, no one saw coming, God. You rose from the grave. You live forevermore. You've forgiven us of our sins when we come to You. And You freely pardon just like You promised. So Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would draw these people that are listening to my words, wherever it is that they are, in their vehicle, in their home, God, draw them with Your love. Draw them with Your truth. And God, help Your church, help the believers, help Your followers to rejoice forevermore in what it is that You've done being our unlikely weapon. No longer in the grave, but reigning to reign forevermore. We love You, Jesus. In Your great and holy name, we all pray and say together, Amen and Amen. And amen. God bless you today. So very glad that you took time to be with us. We certainly hope that we could see you in our parking lot for our drive-in services or in our sanctuary uh, soon, hopefully, when we get back to having church as normal inside our sanctuary. Uh, God bless you today. Please stay connected to us through our website, social media. Uh, call the church. I, I do my very best to be as available as I possibly can to shepherd the church and to minister to you. For those that perhaps are listening that have not ever stepped foot in our church or know anyone here, we want to minister. I want to minister to you. I want to love your family. I want to, I want to see you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Connect with us there. You can give through our website. You can find all of our contact information. Everything you need is there. We certainly hope to see you. God bless you. And may His peace guide you in all that you do. God bless you today.